Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear, page by page. This is page 933. Sim seemed uncomfortable. Well, you see, while you were gone, Will and I started spending a lot of time with her, and he made an inarticulate gesture. His expression was stuck between sheepish and grinning. Realization struck. You and Fella? Sim, that's great! I felt a grin spread across my face, then saw his expression. Oh, my grin fell away. Sim, I wouldn't get in the way of that. I know you wouldn't. He smiled, a sickly smile. I trust you. I rubbed my eyes. This is a hell of a homecoming. I haven't even been through admissions yet. Today's the last day, Sim pointed out. I know, I said, getting to my feet. I have an errand to run first. I left my baggage in Simmons' room and paid a visit to the bursar in the basement of Hollows. Reem was a balding, pinch-faced man who has disliked me ever since the masters had assigned me a negative tuition in my first term. He wasn't in the habit of giving money out, and the entire experience had rubbed him the wrong way. I showed him my open letter of credit to Alvaron's coffers. As I've said, it was an impressive document, signed by the mayor's own hand. Wax seals, fine vellum, excellent penmanship. I drew the bursar's attention to the fact that the mayor's letter would allow the university to draw any amount needed to cover my tuition. Any amount. The bursar read it over and agreed that that seemed to be the case. It's too bad my tuition was always so low, I mused aloud. Never more than ten talents. It was a bit of a missed opportunity for the university. The mayor was richer than the king of Vint, after all, and he would pay any tuition. Reem was a savvy man, and he understood what I was hinting at immediately. There followed a brief bout of negotiation, after which we shook hands and I saw him smile for the first time. I grabbed a bite of lunch, then waited in line with the rest of the students who didn't have admissions tiles. Most of them were new students, but a few were applying for readmission like myself. It was a long line, and everyone was visibly nervous to some degree. I whistled to pass the time and bought a meat pie and a mug of hot cider from a man with a cart. I caused a bit of a stir when I stepped into the circle of light in front of the master's table. They had heard the news and were surprised to see me alive. Most of them pleasantly so. Kilvin demanded I report to the workshop soon, while Mandrag, Dahl, and Arwell argued over which courses of study I would end the page with. Ha 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 ha. And wow. Wow. Who are you? Oh, I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. Fantastic. And, uh... Uh, Nick is uh, stepping away from us and into his own circle of light elsewhere, Mm -hmm. uh, probably being abducted by aliens and such, but it's okay because he'll send us letters. I hope if they let him send letters from a Cardassian prison or whatever. I mean, no one said they were unfriendly aliens. 
I feel like no one ever gets abducted to just have a nice time. That's fair. (laughs) Abducted, generally not a positive word, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Maybe after being abducted, they found him to be extremely pleasant and and, uh, lovely. So they instead just offered him a drink and and a nice place to stay. Now, Jordana, I'm surprised at you. We have you're you're launching right into bits instead of talking about the content I'm of sorry. the page. I'm sorry. We're trying to run a podcast. The, here. the lack of Nick has affected my brainwaves. Mm, you're taking up his <laughs> his part as uh, as bitmaster in chief. Maybe, maybe, maybe the aliens he's visiting have have like a satellite device that I should I need to wear a tinfoil hat or something because like. It's like it's like um, I have like Nick Brain being like in my brain because now I'm doing the bits. I feel like I'm not as good at the bits as Nick though, so this is kind of this is falling flat a little bit. <laughs> a terrible fate, a terrible fate. Indeed. So, what do you think Sim's sickly smile means? Uh, I think he thinks. I think Sim thinks that Fella's going to find out Quoth is alive and not like him anymore. Yeah, like, I, I think he doesn't, like, Quoth says I would never get in the way of that. And I don't think Quoth would. But I do think that Sim is afraid that it, like, Quoth won't have to do anything. That Fella will just, like, swoon for him. Yeah, it won't, it, like, Quoth's presence will affect the success of Sim's relationship with Fella just by him being there. Yeah, which, like, in my experience, isn't really how these sorts of things work. but. You know, I, I suppose I could be wrong. I think Sim is being a little insecure. Yes. But, uh, like, so Quoth's been gone for less than a year. Not much less than a year, but still less than a year. So it's possible that, like, Sim still feels that, like, this relationship is very new and therefore easy to lose. Even though he's being overly self-conscious, it's like, it, it makes sense. Sim is, a, is, like, a young adult so, you know, anxiety and being a young adult and, you know, this stuff all happens. That's true, that Jordana. Stuff does happen. It does. Many people In fact, it happens on every page of this book, which is why this, this, hap- this whole podcast happens. That's true. And stuff is happening more and more all the time. Yeah, sometimes I wish less stuff would happen, actually. Agreed. Agreed. Um... What do you make of the second half of the page? Quoth's uh, little conversation with the bursar. Uh, I think he's telling he like he's saying to the bursar that, like it. I don't know because so he has to go up and talk to the masters before they tell him what his tuition is, don't they? Yes. So well, he's organizing with the bursar to make sure that his paperwork checks out. And among then, other things. <laughs> yeah, I actually, like, I'll be honest, I don't totally know what's going on here other than maybe the bursar just making sure that he gets what he needs in order to see the masters and get his tuition. I mean, you would think that, one would think that, except the quote is, is laying it on a bit thick, isn't he, when he says, it's too bad my tuition is always so low. I think is that he a stu- trying that- to get the, them to... To give him a high tuition like does the bursar communicate to the to the professors that like oh yeah this guy is alive he's got a lot of money make sure to ask for a lot out of him for tuition i mean i i think that what's set up on this page is that quoth is scheming with the bursar to get 
to get a higher tuition. Uh, and, but Quoth doesn't tell us what exactly the contents of that deal are. That doesn't pay off until tomorrow's page. Um, but it is, it is like just one more way, as we'll see, of Quoth kind of getting his own back at the mayor in a way that like the mayor will barely ever notice. Right. Cause like, this is like, you know, this amount of money is like what he finds between his couch cushions. Yeah. But to Quoth, it's like really life changing. And we actually kind of, by the end of this book, I feel like we're going to see that Quoth has achieved what all of us hope to achieve under capitalism, which is that Quoth is making enough passive income that he doesn't really have to work that hard. And his his kind of perpetual money problems are over, uh, so we'll we'll see how that kind of comes about. But it's all mm. stuff that has been like set up in the past. Well, I'm excited to read about it on a different page. <laughs> I'm sure you are. I also appreciate how Rafis kind of speed runs through what is by now a familiar sequence to us of Quoth. Uh, having to go up before the masters to get his tuition set. Like we've seen him stand in line and wait for uh, an admission tile. We've seen him uh, like go up for the masters and get asked the questions. But I think the fact that Rothfuss is kind of hand waving this is not just because we have, we are somewhat familiar with it. So he just has to remind us of the basics, but I think it's also communicating that Kvothe has grown up a lot and that he is a much more like, confident person now than he was when he left the university he's like whistling and passing the time he's not like anxious about what his tuition's gonna be mm-hmm. and part got of himself that a nice snack yeah and part of that is because he has a plan like whatever his tuition is he's he getting a, a free ride money yeah he's get. he knows he's getting a free ride from the mayor and he has a plan on top of that but i also think that he just has perspective now because he's been out in the wider world he has like have been through some hair-raising, life-threatening adventures, and the the things that seemed really important when he was just a student at the university somehow don't seem quite as important now that he has encountered fey beings and conversed with supernatural evils and fought bandits and, and dealt with court intrigue and so on. Yes. Like, this sequence reminds me of, like, going back to like when I was in high school, going back to visit my grade school or when I was like in my mid twenties, going back to the the city I lived in university and like going back to my old university, just like seeing how much kind of smaller and less important everything felt because I was a different person with different concerns and I'd grown up a lot uh, was, uh, was eye opening And like, this is similar to me. Hmm. I don't think I have ever considered uh, the visiting of the places I used to do education in in that manner, but it does make sense. But it's it's weird to think about because I guess I haven't been back to any of those places since I did school in them. Mm. I don't know Give if like can you just like you can't. It's not like you can just walk into a high school. I mean, you can, but someone is eventually going to be like, "Hey, what are you doing here?" Random thirty something. Are yeah. you a parent? Uh, <laughs> but you certainly can't just like walk into a random university, you know, like you can just wander around the campus. Yes. Yeah. You can definitely do it with the university, but like, like a high school or, or a middle school, like that shit has security. Yeah. But usually <laughs> you just go to the office and say, Hey, I'm a visitor. And they give you a visitor's pass. They're not going to, they're probably not going to bother you about it too much. Yes. Reasonable. Uh, although, you know, I'm sure if I went back to my old high school now, uh, I might like, I 
there probably wouldn't be very many teachers there who would remember me anymore. A lot of them are probably retired. So like, it might be like, we don't know who you are. Why are you visiting? Actually, you know what's a crazy story? A teacher that I had in elementary school, they were my English teacher in grade three, and then they were my art teacher for grade seven and eight. They ended up becoming an art teacher at what was my high school. So like after I left, so they're now an art teacher at my high school but they were my teacher in elementary school, which I think is kind of crazy. That is kind of crazy. Yeah. Do you want to read her letter? Yeah. I, well, I don't want to read it, but I'd love for you to read it. Okay. Here's another one from our friend Curtis, who writes, Quoth is a terrible secret keeper. Papery Trio. On page 815, Magwin tells Quoth that he should not speak of his name to anyone, yet he tells the entire in-world audience of story exactly what the name is and what it means. This aligns with numerous other things which are meant to be kept secret or infrequently mentioned. I've already brought up how often the Chandrian are mentioned and presumably how many truths or lies or simply stories are being told of them. Surely this telling will attract their attention if they still exist and that magic still holds. Likewise for the Cathay, which taints this entire tale, although Quoth did not know about that. Same with all of the secrets of the Adem which has led you to speculate that they may be extinct in the frame narrative. Likewise, about secrets of the university, uh, the secret, the existence of the four-plate door prominent among them, the knowledge of which we are explicitly told is officially reserved for and is a privilege of Rilar, and Auri, and maybe Puppet, and even embarrassing or inconvenient details about the vintage court and the mayor's politicking and personal life. Why is Quoth so comfortable with sharing all of this information, except somewhat after he learns of the supposed nature of the Cathay? This is surely intentional and something of which Rothfuss is aware. It is an immediate, direct, and obvious consequence of having a frame narrative and a first-person story in-world. Is it just that? In the frame narrative, none of these things matter? The Chandrian have been eliminated, or Quoth has joined them, or the people who enforce certain stories about them are no longer a concern? Have Ademra, Ventus, and the university been, been overrun and destroyed by Skrail? Is Auri safe or dead? I need to know. It drives me nuts. Yours in the crockery, Curtis. Well, the good news is that hopefully some, if not all of those questions will be answered in the third book. That's that's entirely true and correct. But Curtis, I think you're exactly right to point this out. And I think it's the sort of thing that I wasn't really thinking about when I read this book before. But now that I've been inflicted with podcasting madness and you have sort of laid it out in this letter, it is striking just how many secrets Quoth is spilling in this book. And I think that there's two possibilities, really. Well, I guess there's three. The first possibility is that Quoth just doesn't care and he's a blabbermouth. I think we can dismiss that one as like probably not really true. Um, I think the second possibility, as you've identified, is that the things, the people who wouldn't want these secrets told are no longer a concern, which if all of that is true is pretty alarming in its implications for like, what's the deal with the Chandrian now? What's the deal with the Adam now? You know, all of that stuff. I think the third possibility, which seems most likely to me is that Quoth does not actually intend for this book to find an audience. I agree. Right. He's telling it to satisfy Chronicler, but is he going to let this book reach the public? unclear now he's also telling it for like himself and for bast yes it's not just for chronicler or yeah yeah i think that's possible especially because we we know that he's tried to like write down his story before and it hasn't really worked for him but i think that if we take it as if we assume that quoth does not actually intend for this story to get out 
Well then, what are he and Bast going to do with Chronicler when he's finished? I mean, there's no way that Chronicler could remember all this stuff without the writing. So Quoth doesn't have to do anything with Chronicler. He could just steal what Chronicler wrote down. You know what? I think that even if they threw this manuscript into the fire, I think Chronicler still knows too much. He doesn't have to remember every single detail to perhaps still come out of it with knowledge that he should not have. So you you think that, what, Quoth's going to kill Chronicler? I think that it's a possibility that we shouldn't ignore. Well, I don't like it, but fine. <laughs> Listeners, you can register Jordana's uh, dislike on tomorrow's page. Uh, the Wee. Wee.